You're listening to The Mix on Civ Mix, hosted by Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonia. Well, Joe, we're back in the mix. We are. We remain remote until at least May 15th. At least that, but most likely it'll be a lot longer beyond that. Well, I just finished reading a really depressing New York Times story. <laughs> I should stop reading. You should news. probably stop doing that. <laughs> it had something to do with all of these experts' predictions about what life is going to be like and how we're going to reopen and how we can't reopen. And, you know, one day at a time is probably the best solution. It's getting warmer out. That's the one prospect. Well, of. it snowed this morning, actually. It, it but did. now it's lovely. And then tomorrow it's going to be 64. We Which, call this spring in <laughs> absolutely uh i look so, forward to tomorrow at least yes we actually accelerated our taping to facilitate your outdoor activity i get again given how cold this week was i wasn't able to get on the bike as much as i would like to so tomorrow we'll be playing catch up for for sure for the past week and then this week is supposed to be pretty warm for the most part so well, i look forward to it now you must wear your mask if in fact you are going to be out and about and unable to social distance. And again, not to be the skunk at the garden party, but I read another article that suggests that when you are aspirating, respirating, breathing hard, yes. because you're exercising, perhaps you are propelling your breath droplets that could contain virus further than six feet. So we you, talked about this last week. We did. Yeah. I've been delving deep. deep <laughs> oh, no. Topic. Listen, we all know that when, you know, if you're cycling, you're running, you're doing some sort of physical activity, you're going to be exerting droplets of air and other things that could come out of your mouth at that point. Yes. Well, let's say this. This morning, there was some very positive news that the death toll from COVID-19 is lower than it has been since April 1st. Which is good news. Good news. Troubling news from the state and the nation when it comes to nursing homes. We're going to have to get that one under control. But really, it reminded me, you know, to watch the governor uh, day in and day out, you know, he had a real um, sort of verbal tiff with the president. Oh, I don't know, the last 48 hours or so. He's gone up and down with his criticisms of uh, the president. They certainly don't see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, what really matters the most for folks is local. I mean, I don't mean to be, you know, harping on the great Tip O'Neill, mm -hmm. but all politics is local. And when it comes to pandemic news, you really wanna know, of course you wanna know what's happening at the national level, but you also really wanna know what's happening around the corner. And so this week we talked to somebody who actually has his finger on the local pulse in a small area in the capital region. And who could that be? Who could that be? The mayor of Troy, <laughs> Mayor Madden. He's a really interesting and introspective guy. He's thinking deep thoughts about the economy of his city, which, as we discussed, you know, has been really through the ringer. And this is a, a, a dis disappointing and depressing setback, I think, for him because he really, you know, tried to bring things back. And now they find themselves again on the edge financially. The only silver lining or I shouldn't say silver lining, but the only kind of caveat to that is that everybody's in the same boat. So, you know, nobody's pointing the finger at Troy per se. Right. But I mean, you look at Troy versus an Albany or Saturday or even other, other upstate cities where Troy has been seeing this very unique renaissance in its downtown, but even it's been felt in other, other parts of this, of the city of Troy, 
but most particularly you've seen it downtown with obviously the work that, you know, Vic Christopher and Heather Levine and then you have other restaurateurs and other developments have been taking place. So now because you have a downtown economy that's so tied to hospitality and food and beverages, it, I think they're seeing a, a much more profound effect to this versus, let's say, downtown Albany or downtown Schenectady for that. For but that and he and we we talked about this with the mayor as well, which is really kind of heartening. They have a very young entrepreneur base. You have a lot of people who are just sort of getting started in Troy. And while that is certainly upsetting because you people, you see people who are experiencing this really unprecedented setback that no one could have prepared for, you also see people really being very nimble and creative mm-hmm. in their efforts to stay afloat. Right. And, you know, on the same episode, we talked to, to Tony Idesico, who is the executive director of the Albany Center Gallery. And Being to- creative. that's right. And, you know, Tony and I spoke about, you know, of course, what the arts and cultural community here in the capital region is doing during this time. Of course, for a lot of artists that, you know, are reliant on the the generosity of, of donors and generosity of those who appreciate their art. And of course, organizations like Albany Center Gallery or even the Art Center in Troy, where they're, you know, so close to the bone in terms of their own finances. We talked mm-hmm. about that. But in addition to that, we talked about um, this effort being done by the gallery and a number of organizations called, um, you know, Creative Impact, the Capital Region Artist Fund, where they're yeah. actually supporting uh, these artists through, you know, of course, some financial contributions through, you know, different gift cards, so therefore they can get groceries, but also being able to highlight the art and all the work that they're doing right now during this time. Because despite this situation, you know, we still need to be able to embrace and be part of, of course, the tapestry of life, which is, of course, exemplified in our arts and culture in this community. Well, it is what sets us apart. Well, so many things set us apart, obviously, from less sentient beings, if right. you will. But it is our bil- our ability and our desire to create and to not only beauty, but you know, commentary, and some of it is not terribly pretty when it comes to what we create regarding the world that we see around us, but so important to have that richness in our lives that really informs us and makes us human. I mean, the, the, the desire to create something, be it cooking. I mean, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people, including me, are are getting into, I did bake bread. I've done it now. How, how's that months. been going? <laughs> it, I, I have not killed anyone yet. That's good. My, my husband has eaten it. He's still alive. Times. He's still alive. I'm knocking wood. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it's satisfying. It's satisfying to create something and it speaks to an inner desire and innate need for many people. And in order to keep our creative culture alive, it, it also is what makes a community different from another community. You know, anybody can have a strip mall and anybody can have a chain restaurant, but it's the independent businesses and the creative class that really sets a community apart and makes it interesting, which is what makes Troy so fascinating and what makes the creatives in our region so important. I think all together with that, I think it's been really an indication of how adaptable we've all been to this because I mm-hmm. think my conversation with Tony and even with others is how we've been able to shift different things. I mean, for what I do for during the day and you're know, working with beverage producers and having them shift from, you know, folks being able to go in their tasting rooms to be able to do tours to now shipping 
And you look at the same thing for artists where like, how do you get that word out? You know, doing these different virtual gallery tours and things like that. So we've seen in a very, very short period of time at the end of the day where it feels like it's been so long, but it's only been a matter of weeks that we've been adaptable as a society. We've been adaptable as a region uh, to, to really, you know, cope with this as we're all coping together in different ways. Well, we should really get to the words from the horse's mouth, so to speak, because you and I can pontificate for many minutes, but what's really interesting is to hear from the people who are experiencing it themselves. So we should get to it, shall we? Sounds good. Mayor Madden, thank you so much for mixing it up with us today. We really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. I actually have been sort of kicking off all my conversations in, in virtual land here by asking people how they are. How are you personally faring? It's, um, you know, it's uh, it's difficult, uh, but I, I recognize that I have it uh, uh, better than most. At least I still have a job to go to. Um, I still have an income. Um, I have my health. My family's got their health. So uh, as stressful as it is, I know it can be worse, and it turned worse for a lot of people uh, very quickly. So I'm grateful for what I do have. Well, and also, though, on the flip side of that, in order to have the position that you have, it means that people are turning to you for answers and they're turning to you for leadership and for comfort and for guidance. Certainly when you ran for office, you assumed that you would be leading the city. I mean, that was the job that you signed up for, but never, Correct. I imagine, yep. did you did you think that you would be in this situation? No, no, I don't think anybody could have imagined this. Well, I, I'm sure a few people, uh, um, a few people uh, did have thought of these things, uh, but I didn't know. It's correct. Troy so. is a really unique and unusual city. And there are a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, first of all, the city has known financial crisis in the past. This mm -hmm. cannot be helpful to the ongoing effort to get out of that place. Well, that's true. And, um, you know, one of the things I lament a lot about this is that we had spent the first four years working to get Troy's head above water. And, um, you know, we were we got our nose above water, maybe not our whole head. And we were making great progress. And this will be a significant setback. Uh, this could have um, impact uh, that is uh, well, it will have impact that's substantial, uh, but it could last a few years. Um, and um, it's uh, it's uh, very regrettable that so much of the work we did the first four years, so much of the difficult positions we had to stake out, so much of the diff difficult uh, uh, tasks we had to undertake, um, we may be looking at more difficulty ahead. Also, it is a city whose resurgence really really was largely because of um, hospitality, restaurant, industry, I mean, a downtown scene that was burgeoning. And now that happens to be the sector that has taken it on the chin in this economy. It's really, um, it, it's very sad to drive through the downtown right now and see the darkened windows and closed shops. Uh, you're right. We were built on a small business model. Um, that's our bread and butter. That's what makes Troy unique. That's what brings people here. 
and to see all those small businesses shuttered. And those are our neighbors. Those are not uh, people in far distant lands that have invested in Troy. Um, these are our neighbors who have lost their temporarily lost their livelihoods and, you know, hopefully only temporarily. So one of the things that we did very early on, and if you go to the city's website, you'll see a link to it right on the cover page, is we've put together um, some resources and expertise on the various relief programs that are out and likely to come out. And we're working with all of our small business owners. We've reached out to them. They're struggling day to day just to do fulfill takeout orders. They really don't have time to do the research that's necessary. So we're trying to provide that expertise to them so they know where to tap into the systems. And hopefully we'll get them through this period. It is interesting. Some I, I noticed that there had been, well, I mean, we're all living our lives online and there have been a number of Zoom discussions uh, not mm -hmm. only in Troy, also uh, in Albany and, and other communities around the region about how some uh, businesses actually have managed to make a shift online in a fairly facile manner. I mean, look, it's not going to replace overnight what you've lost if you had, I don't know, 100 to 200 covers in a restaurant, for example. But some people are really quite nimble in their ability to make that change. Yeah, I, I witnessed that, I, and I was amazed, and I think that it reflects the uh, youthfulness of the business owners in downtown Troy. They were very quick to adapt, and you're right, it's not going to be business as usual or revenue as usual, um, but they adapted very quickly and, and uh, tapped into all the technology that's available to help them continue to run some semblance of a business. Uh, the hope is that you know, we can keep them, they can keep um, uh, keep that going uh, throughout the duration, which uh, which we don't know how long this, this will be yet, but, but throughout the duration of this shutdown. The duration, of course, extended just this week to another mm -hmm. month. The governor has extended the pause, as we've come to know it, through May 15th. Uh, not unsurprising. I think most people were really prepared for that, if maybe in some corners of their mind hopeful, particularly as they saw the numbers coming down in the center of New York City, where the virus has hit the hardest. But were you disappointed in any way by that, or you took it as sort of a foregone conclusion? Oh, I took it as a foregone conclusion, and I will sit here right now and predict it will be extended again. Um, I, one of the things that I've spent a great many hours on is trying to understand the um, not just this virus, but the trend of uh, pandemics, past and present. My daughter is also a medical doctor, um, unfortunately, in New York City right now, mm -hmm. so she's giving me a lot of information and feedback. But um, this is um, this, you know, the normal that we had two and a half months ago. I don't think it's ever going to return, and I think there's um, uh, there's some positive aspects to that, uh, but but there's you know there's a, a lot of scariness yet in terms of how this is going to, um, you know, how are we going to start schools again? And and even if we did lift. Uh, the curtain a little bit on May 15th, who's going to go to concerts or movies or restaurants? Um, how long is it going to take to 
uh, have the public become comfortable being out again when, you know, the infection rate probably at this point in this country is probably only around 1%, 2%. It means 90-some percent of us have not yet been exposed to the virus. Uh, Hmm. I I think we're in for a long period of adjustment, uh, at least until a vaccine is uh, advanced that that, that has some degree of success here. The discussion, though, has been really fascinating because it does bring us to a place of ideology, not to get too down deep in the weeds, but since we have a lot of time for belly button gazing these days, you know, what is it that we're willing to trade away in exchange for the ability to do things like, for example, go to a concert? In other words, will we be, some people might be comfortable when they go into the movies to have their temperature taken or to... Mm -hmm. Um, uh, agree to a weekly test so they can go to work or so they can go to the pool or so they can, whatever it is that people want to do in large numbers, they might be willing to trade away quite a bit of freedom, much in the same way that we saw, uh, you know, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. Well, not just in the immediate aftermath. I mean, we're living, I mean, that was an inflection point in our lives. This will be the same sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I was listening to Dr. Fauci yesterday, and he thinks, uh, you know, just the common handshake is now a thing of the past, that we won't go back to that. Um, we all remember what, what uh, security was like at Albany Airport uh, on uh, or the day before 9-11. I actually flew on 9-11. Um, wow. And, the, you know, there was there was no magnetometers. There was no security. I walked to my gate. I had a pocket knife in my pocket because... I was always brought up with a pocket knife in my pocket, you know, the, that was the norm. Those, that has changed dramatically. Things will change dramatically after this. And yet um, we as well. adapted, we adapted, which is so amazing. I mean, it is part of the human spirit, which gets us back to, you know, the capability of your business owners in Troy or the capability of residents. Or the, people are adaptable creatures. I mean, you either adapt or, or you or you don't survive quite clearly. And the question mm-hmm. is how what kind of government policies can we put in place from the very lowest to the very highest levels of government to facilitate that adaptive that adaptive nature of the species. Well, I think um, it, it, some in some instances, it's not what policies we can put in place, but what barriers we can remove mm. so that people can adapt uh, better to a changing world. Um, so regulations, and, and I'm, I'm not a, 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 a salivating anti-regulation nut, but uh, regulations that made sense at one point in time may not make sense um, under different circumstances, so we have to we have to evaluate how government interacts with businesses and individuals, and say, does this is this still relevant under today's set of facts? Um, and, and we see that already. We see that in in the electronic era. You know that that government regulation just isn't keeping up with technology and the way we want to do commerce. Uh, it's it's going to be the same thing after this. It may actually uh, this this incident, this COVID crisis, the pandemic may shine a light on uh, the fact that we are not structured um, the best uh, way that we should be to facilitate um, livable downtowns or commerce in a in a new age. Um, so some of the weaknesses I think are going to um, 
uh, shine, you know, there's going to be a a spotlight shown on them because of this. Mayor, as we talk about, obviously, you know, the adaptability of of cities and, of course, every different part of what a city is in terms of businesses and residents, I know that the city's undergone a number of infrastructure projects recently. Uh, I know you completed the, the Campbell Avenue project, but how does that play into, of course, you know, what we're going through right now in terms of completing these projects, which, regardless of, of course, this pause action, still need to be done? Yes. Well, our infrastructure projects are continuing and they are permitted construction um, under under pause and all the related executive orders and, and regulations. Um, it's important to continue those. Um, this, uh, you know, we're still going to need water. We're still going to need sewer lines. We're still going to need a seawall. Um, we're still going to need the infrastructure in place that will allow business to flourish again, um, whether it's uh, two months down the road or even eight months or 18 months down the road. Um, we need to have that infrastructure in place. So we're continuing with our work and, you know, we are trying to, we do press releases and uh, we have to figure out how to do virtual ribbon cuttings, but we want the public to know that we're continuing to do the public's business here. Um, we're doing our essential services, uh, I think fairly well. Um, new challenges crop up every day, but we're also looking long-term. One of the things that I have stressed since I've come into office is that um, I'm not governing just for uh, today or the next four years. I'm governing governing for my kids and their kids and the decisions we make and the projects we undertake um, have to be things um, uh, that serve those who follow us. Just as we enjoy the benefits of the work and investments of those who preceded us, we have that obligation to those who follow us. So we, we continue our infrastructure projects. We're pushing that. We've, uh, because of our financial difficulties in the past, we've, there's been a lot of neglect um, and we're very focused on continuing that work. Your greatest frustration of, of all of this, I mean, we've seen a lot of um, focus of inter-fighting, if you will, inter-politician fighting. You know, the White House is unhappy with the governor. The governor today really unleashed on the president. His frustration. Oh, that was something, wasn't it? It was Did you, epic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was epic. I recommend anyone who has not seen the governor's press conference on this day, which is April 17th, the day that we happen to be taping, to go back and look it up and check it out. He was, yeah. he was on fire. He was on yeah, fire. Yeah, I think the cork came out of the bottle today oh i think that the frustration has boiled over and because yeah, I, yep. the governor clearly understands as as many people do uh you know although the president you know seems to be um not understanding completely if we don't have widespread capability of testing you know the a widespread reopening of the economy is not possible but more to the point it's the local uh, elected officials who are really closest to the ground to really understand, like yourself, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the governors within their own states how and when and why things will occur. But so many, uh, like the weak points in infrastructure that Joe was just pointing out, or the weak points in government uh, that, that we've discussed earlier, so too have we seen the weak points in relationships, personal and professional. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's true. And, you know, I think that's also I think we can all take a little bit of a lesson in that we're all I think if we looked inside ourselves, we would all feel that pressure building in ourselves. Um, 
between the governor and the president, but between us and, and you know people we might work with or our families, I think it's I think we all need to take a breath, step back, understand um, the pressures that we're under, and um, you know just be cognizant, uh, or else the cork will blow out for everybody. We have to be um, be a little easier on ourselves during this crisis. Well, I, I do uh, not want to monopolize your time because I know that you have quite a bit uh, going on, but I do want to ask, you know, what is the most pressing concern that you have um, among, that you wish residents would do or that you wish higher ups would do in terms of elected officials? I mean, I know I was reading there's been some frustration with, uh, you know, people not social distancing to the degree that they should, or please don't leave your leaves at the side of the road because we're not going to pick them up. Oh, we have to because they're there. And so we have to. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> life doesn't yeah. stop, unfortunately. Yeah, I, there's a, there's really a couple things. And I think from what I've been witnessing, most people um, in this area are, are are honoring the social distancing. I think it, it may become uh, more difficult to continue to do that the longer this goes on. Uh, and I'm not suggesting we should cut it short because it'll become difficult. It is going to be difficult and it'll become more difficult as it becomes nicer out. Um, but that's really key. And I think you see that in the numbers. The social distancing is working. Um, the infection rates in New York City, where this thing was raging nearly out of control, um, we've impacted that, as the governor has uh, has stated. So uh, we need to take that lesson up here, too. Our peak uh, is likely to be sometime between mid-May and early June. It won't mm-hmm. be as significant as New York City just because we don't live in the same proximity to each other uh, as people do in New York City. Uh, but our we can expect, I think we can expect our rates to continue to rise through uh, uh, probably the beginning of June, and then we'll see a leveling off. Um, you know, the, the the thing that's now keeping me up at night, so I, I understand we can control the amount of infection through our own actions. The, the thing that's keeping me up now really is uh, the economic impact that this will have. Uh, on the city of Troy. And as I said, it's going to be substantial and it could hobble us for a couple of years. Uh, And the most stressful aspect of that right now is we don't know how big this is going to be. So it's very difficult to calibrate your response uh, a quarter of the way through your fiscal year um, when you really don't have any data. Uh, You know, we're going to get hit on sales tax revenue. We're going to get hit on state aid. Uh, We're going to get hit on a variety of fee parking, you know, parking meters and uh, fines and things like that. We're going to get hit there. We can expect, I think, significant increases in uh, pension costs because of uh, Mm -hmm. the decline in the stock market. So we're going to get hit on both sides of the ledger. And I don't and nobody else does have a clue the magnitude of that. And I think the only saving grace here is that there are, you know, 62 cities and 61 counties in New York State that are in the exact same boat. It's not just Mm -hmm. Troy, New York. And we need some sort of a domestic Marshall plan um, to save cities, save counties around the state. Well, uh, and we're not, you know, that's not being discussed yet. So. Um, and being the, you know, a little, the little fiscal wonk that I am, I'm, I'm focused on that intently. Well, we will uh, continue to have that conversation. And I thank you so much for your time, sir. We are unfortunately out of our thank time. Thank you.
Okay. I appreciate it, Liz and Joe. Take care. Thank you, Mayor. Thanks. Are you looking to reach a diverse audience? Advertise with CivMix today. Visit CivMix.com to learn more. Are you ready to rise and shine? Read up on the latest news and happenings taking place in your community each weekday morning on CivMix.com. Sign up to receive Rise and Shine in your inbox. CivMix, it's where it's at. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on CivMix.com. Tony, thanks for joining me on The Mix. Yeah, Joe, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So as the executive director of the Albany Center Gallery, and, you know, of course, you've been a tremendous advocate for the arts and for cultural organizations in the area. Uh, what's been your take in terms of the, the of course, there's a, the immediate impact to the arts, but, of course, the, you know, possible long-term impact uh, to the arts in this area because of the coronavirus? Yeah, so this is, you know, something that we've been going over for the past couple of weeks uh, as far as, you know, the immediate, uh, what's happening now, but then also, you know, what's it going to be in a week, a month, two months, five months, a year from now, uh, and really just trying to navigate uh, kind of our programs and projects, um, ways of members being uh, supported and creatives being supported uh, from projects to you know, gigs and, and opportunities for, you know, not even just creative visual artists, um, but just creatives in general. Um, usually uh, the, the arts are supported, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a difficult path kind of going forward, um, you know, as we see it as, as now, you know, working from home, bringing things online uh, to experience culture, sometimes you, you need to be around the people, you need to be there in life, in real life, and kind of experience it. So uh, it's definitely going to be a new way of, of seeing what this will uh, look like on the other side. Now, yeah, at least, I mean, from my experience, with at least with Albany Center Gallery, that you've had, um, of course, artists team up with events, you know, for example, uh, with, you know, Capitalize Albany, and with Amplify Albany, the, uh, the Winter Arts Festival with Albany Distilling, uh, I know that we had worked together uh, last year for Broadway Alive, which, which was right outside your gallery. So there's no longer that mm-hmm. sort of uh, that live impact of, of the arts in somebody's face anymore, because, of, of course, we're all trying to socially distance and and, of course, stay safe. But, you know, that's a little bit hard for, I think, some folks to kind of be able to, to pivot because you, you might you need that human interaction. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot, a lot of the events and programs, you know, that we've been doing, uh, you know, and then also that we were planning, you know, there are two months, four months, six months of planning, uh, sometimes a year of planning. Uh, and then, you know, the, the last one that we did have was uh, at Albany Distillers when we did the Winter Arts Fest. Uh, and that was in February. Uh, and that was really, you know, a, a good turnout. 100 people came out, they supported the creative people, they supported the local uh, distiller so it was you know kind of that energy and for us it was like the start of our year you know we we have a lot of we had a lot of exciting things planned um but right now it's kind of like we're, we're coming up with plan a b right a, uh you know all the way down the road just to try to figure out if, if one thing happens how's that going to alter this um so in in some sense it's um it, it's still unknown just now we're we're working 
triple, triple time just to try to figure out, you know, that. So as you were, as you were mentioning about, you know, the events and you were just mentioning about the, the last major event you did was the, the winter arts festival at Albany Stilling. And so there are, of course, other events coming up in the area that, you know, for even for your organization that, you know, every usually fall into almost winter is your, your annual fundraiser. And I know for a lot of organizations that I've spoken to um, that are so reliant on, you know, donor support, grants, things of that nature, uh, it's, you're kind of going into a very trepidous time because you don't know what the next few months will look like, let alone the next year. And even for, even in a good time, you don't know, you know, what that could look like in terms of a funding stream uh, for your organization as well. Yeah, that's that's uh, right, spot on uh, as far as the unknown. Because uh, even in a good year, you still can't always rely on certain grants or funds, uh, you know, or donations and contributions. So, uh, for us and, and probably many arts organizations, it's kind of you know figuring out and kind of digging our heels kind of in deeper a little bit to say like we got to stay here. We got to really, you know, focus on what we're doing, what we're providing for the community, and and still make sure that you know people the importance and relevance of, of creativity and, you know, the artistic voice. Uh, I think now for, for us, you know, artists document history and time. And, and for us, this is a moment where, you know, it's affecting everyone. And I think it's a good place for artists to kind of step up and, and inspire from this uh, challenge and, and try to come up with something beautiful in a way to uh, uplift and inspire people. Uh, but definitely funding will be a challenge. One organization, well, one collective, really, uh, that I know you and your organization have been part of, along with many others in the area, including uh, the Art Center over in Troy, Collective Effort, and, and Yusuf FX, and I know there's quite a number of you guys, uh, the Albany Barn, for example, as well, that you've uh, worked together um, with the Community Foundation for the Greater uh, Capital Region to create this uh, ca- uh, Creative Impact, the Capital Region Artist Fund. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the Artist Fund, uh, it really just started off as, you know, I think when uh, the stage shut down on the 13th or 14th, um, we closed the gallery down and we realized, you know, we were still fortunate to where we didn't have to lay off staff. Um, so we figured out, like, what are we going to do to continue to provide the service that the gallery is supposed to do, which is to support creative people living in the region. Uh, so a bunch of us gathered together. We started a Facebook uh, uh, page creative impact uh, to really just have a place for resources for artist opportunities um, any grants that were available for artists that were in immediate uh, uh, struggle due to uh, COVID-19 you know cutting off all of their income um, as far as projects and, and, and commissions and gigs that they you know would have had uh, and then from there you know about a week into it a few of us got together uh, as you mentioned um with the barn, uh, the art center, Kepler region, uh, collective effort, uh, creative action, unlimited decolonized youth effects. Uh, and then also with the community foundation and United way, uh, we created this fund to say like, let's just get money to artists as quickly as possible. Um, so in the goal was to give as many artists as we can, a hundred dollars, uh, to just show that, you know, all of us together, whether it's a for-profit a nonprofit individual artists, uh, really it's more of just the creative people coming together and trying to create a problem solve and, and find ways to help support other people that, you know, might not be in a, as good of a place as we're in. 
uh, and just trying to really just show the support that, you know, not just our industry, but many industries across the across the way um, are also struggling. Um, so it's, it's really just a, a really a collective effort of people wanting to help out other people. And this is the way we know how to do it. Now, one of the things, so obviously artists can apply on, on this website. Um, I know right now you're also working with the United Way of the Greater Capital Region as well. So once an artist applies, that of course has been suffering from financial loss, which you know most of us have in, in one way or the other, that yeah. they, would, they would be able to apply. And then in addition to um, the gift cards, they would also have the opportunity to sell their art on the Barnes website and also uh, participate in Collective Efforts TV series. Yeah, so part of it was, you know, trying to put $100 in their pockets immediately, whether it's for groceries, for a bill, or for rent. Uh, but then the other thing was, what can we proactively do to try to help them raise their own funds? Um, so the barn would be hosting uh, a place for artists to sell their work. So visual artists that uh, apply to the fund can also have a chance to sell their work. Uh, and then also other artists can work with collective effort to do live streaming. Uh, so that can be, you know, spoken word, that can be a lesson, that could be, uh, a, you know, a DJ, that could be really any creativity happening where you would be live streamed. Uh, and on that, it would be, you know, a place for a Venmo or a cash app to where people can actually contribute directly to the artist. Uh, and then the goal was to together make it to where artists are still doing what they do. Uh, and, and trying to, you know, inspire and uplift people, uh, and hopefully they make some money off of that as well. Now, the the first distribution from this fund would happen when? Later this month, right? The first uh, distribution gift cards, uh, they'll actually be going out uh, this coming week. Wow. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going to be, we tried to turn around as quickly as possible. Uh, and now we're, we're still actively just looking for support. You know, we're, we're saying $5, $10 or $100, you know, whatever the amount is. We know that there's enough community people around that can see the importance of artists. You know, many of us either are artists or know other artists. Uh, and, you know, a small, small amount can actually go a long way if you add up all of the people around here that, you know, have the impact and feel the impact of creativity. Right. You know, it, it's been incredible to see all the different collaborations, you know, not just for, you know, uh, the arts, but, you know, I've, of course, there's been so many for, you know, to support the uh, uh, the restaurant industry, support bartenders, support just, I mean, a lot of different things. So it's been great to see that collaboration. The question I've been asking everyone uh, on here, and because, you know, it seems like the, the only topic people talk about right now, for the most part, is, of course, the impact from COVID and coronavirus. But, you know, there will be a, a time when we're all able to see each other and be able to be back to this new normal. So so for you, Tony, what would be the, the first thing you will do uh, when you're out of this, you know, hunkered down uh, position that we're all in right now? Uh, well, I guess for me personally, give my mom a hug. Uh, I think that, uh, Look at that. <laughs> I think just having, I think just having that, you know, connection, cause I've even been, you know, staying away from family. Uh, we've just been, you know, staying away from really anybody just right. going out for the necessities. Um, so I, I guess for that, it's, you know, saying hi and, and just making sure that we connect with people in real life again. Uh, and I think people hopefully coming around to value and appreciate, you know, conversation and kind of closeness that I think, you know, over the years might have been kind of pushed to the side sometimes. Uh, so I think it's like people coming together as, as, as what we should be doing. And I think everything else will kind of connect through that, whether it's going back out to restaurants, going to movies, performances, 
you know, whatever it is, I think it's, it's now going to be a little bit more special to be able to be with those people. Right. Yeah. I think that's the one thing I see is that, you know, before this all happened, you know, you, you would try to invite somebody to, you know, a showing or at least a, an event and the party and somebody might say, Oh, I'm too busy. I think now it's, it's given a greater appreciation. So of maybe you might not be able to see that person in, in a month or two. So now you might actually want to say yes, even though you might have been too lazy previously to have said no. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I think just in general, uh, you know, any kind of challenge, I think people usually come out a little bit better than they were before, you know, and kind of fine tune things. So I think, uh, again, for any platform or any uh, kind of profession, I think we're going to hopefully be a little bit better than we were before. Great. Tony, thanks again for being on the mix, and I will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joey. Appreciate it. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com.